0: Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can get to me on Twitter at Brayden Gall.
1: My name is Michael Gallagher. I'm the sports reporter for the National Post and the Nashville Scene, and you can find me on Twitter at MGSports underscore.
0: Good to see you again, Michael. Tad a week off last week. SEC Media Days consumed all the oxygen in the room, but the Nashville Predators made some big news, so we've got a lot of good stuff to talk about. Um, We do apologize about being off last week. We also have some really cool and fun and interesting things planned for you all. So make sure you stay tuned. Make sure you got the notifications turned on. Make sure you're following Michael on Twitter. You're following me, the company as well, at 440 Sports. So we got some stuff in the works, Mike. We've got some stuff in the works. So make sure you're tuned in. Um, Stuff coming. Information coming soon uh, about uh, the future of the Gold Standard Podcast. We're very excited about it. So we're going to talk about that coming up next week. May. Possibly. Turn on the notifications, though, and then, you know, if it happens before then, then you'll know right when it happens, right when it happens. Um, And get to us on Twitter, of course, all the great stuff. Uh, All right. The National Predators have made yet another move. I I don't know if I'd call it a huge move financially, but it is a big move. So we're going to talk a lot about Nino Niederreiter and how he fits two years, $8 million, Mm -hmm. how he fits into this team. Where does this team now where do they fit? And I, I don't like power rankings conversations, Michael. I know you don't either, but I do want to know where you think this team now sits in the Central Division in the Western Conference in the NHL writ large. So we're going to have that conversation. We got sort of a potpourri of news with Yakov Trenin, Pekarine, and the draft. So a lot of fun stuff today on the show before we do any of that. However, the Gold Standard Podcast is brought to you by...
1: By Jaspers.
0: Riding a bike, baby. Riding a bike. Yeah, you, you, you're, you're a regular Ted Williams of Jasper's ad reads. Although is that a, is that too much Boston for you? Like is that? Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's I'll, I'll I'll allow it. Okay,
0: because you're a Yankees guy and I'm a Mets guy. Yes. Um, but I would root for Boston over the Yankees every time. Well, go let to, me clarify. That. I
1: grew up in New York, so I wasn't. I'm not the the bandwagon jumper that a lot of Yankees fans are. I, since I was probably about two or three years old, I was a Yankees fan. If it helps my case any, I haven't followed baseball in like the last 10 years. So, I mean, (laughs) I know there's a Jeter jersey behind me. That was it's the sentimental birthday gift for my hand a couple years ago. So,
0: well, the the Yankees and the Mets are both very good this year and playing each other. And I haven't seen a minute of it. Yeah. So and I because but mostly that's because as a Mets fan uh, go to Jaspers, everybody, Um, as a Mets fan, I end up assuming that my heart is going to be ripped out of my chest right around this time of year, actually. Usually so, pretty
1: safe
0: bet. yeah. So I don't really pay attention at all ever. Like, uh, you know, I'll watch Pete Alonzo crushing the home run derby, but that's about it. That's um, Mets
1: fandom summed up in one sentence.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, here, here's the other one. It is a, no one chooses to be a Mets fan it is, it is a burden that is bestowed upon you by your father that you must carry with you for the rest of your life. That is what happened to me as a, as a Mets fan. So go to Jaspers, of course, obviously uh, go to Jaspers. Um, Okay. Free parking next evolution of the sports bar. They are a wonderful and amazing title sponsor here. So, so go support them. Go check them out. Great place to watch uh, any any sporting event. You got football camps opening up. Preds camp is not that far away, folks. I think uh, UC Soros number of days, something like that, uh, before the season starts. And then uh, uh, obviously the gold standard cocktail as well. So it's just yeah. sitting there. You, you, you know, there you go. Uh, all right. So just the first, before we get into what, Nita Ryder brings to the table skill set wise statistics, where he fits in the lineup and what this does to the overall projection. Let's just talk through the contract, the deal, David Poyle, getting it. I know you've got a great story. Check it out on the Nashville post about how Roman Yossi was instrumental in bringing him here, playing against him in the playoffs last year, two years ago, I should say, felt like a big part of why he decided to come here, how competitive and physical and tough this team is Um, just your thoughts in general on the signing, the length of the contract, the term, Everything feels like a major home run. I was out of town when it happened, but I'm assuming everyone reacted like this was a major home run for the Predators and for David Poyle.
1: Yeah, I mean, the number of people that that when this happened were like, huge Preds news, uh, uh, mild Preds news. Nito Niederreier isn't Matthew Kachuk, which we can get into that a little bit later. But he he is a very good, pesky kind of middle six forward. I, I like him more on the third line rather than a second line winger, but he's going to pr- probably slot in on the second line. Um but I but I love the signing because he can play up and down the lineup. He's one of the premier four checkers in the game, which that has John Hines style play written all over it. And what I what I really love is that he adds that kind of net front presence that the predators haven't really had since Patrick Hornquist left. Yeah Victor Robertson kind of filled that role but that's really like a three year window that he that he kind of did that. He was injured his last two seasons here, so I don't really I don't really consider Arvidsson the kind of net fo- net front presence that Niederreiter is. And what happened when they signed him was I was kind of looking for for tape on him and ch- trying to see like what kind of player he is because honestly I seen him a bunch with Carolina two years ago with, with the COVID schedule and stuff. Right. But I really wanted to see what kind of player Nino Niederreiter was. And watching all of his all of his goals last year, sixteen of his twenty four goals came from within three feet of the crease. That is something that Nashville could benefit from exponentially. He's that he's that pest in front of the net that finishes plays. I mean, yeah. I don't know how many times last year, sitting in the press box, myself and some of the other reporters were looking at each other, be like, man, if only the Predators had a guy standing in front of the net that <laughs> buried that rebound, because that's probably the, the weakest part of their offensive game, is there's rebounds and there's no one there to collect them. Now they don't have that problem, because that's exactly what Nino Niederreiter does. I'm going to trip up on his name a lot. because Can
0: time, we just, it, it, first of all, I will not stand for this Michael McCarran slander, uh, but I, can we just call him Ned? Can I just call him Ned? I'm, I'm sure he doesn't sure. like it. I'm sure he won't like it. I would never actually call him that, but hockey players have nicknames. It's one of the silliest things about the sport, but they all have nicknames. I want to know just, what this
1: is going to be, because they usually shorten it and add, an, add a Y on
0: it. Are they going to call him Needy? That just I, I, very good. <laughs> I, again, Ned, I'm just going to call him Ned. I don't know why. I have no explanation for it. But I if you're gonna tweet it a lot and you're gonna text it a lot and you're gonna email it a lot. I'm not spelling out Nita Rider. I'm not gonna do it. <laughs>
1: or we could honor his parents and just call him Nino. That's the the birth name <laughs> they gave. <him. laughs>
0: it's only four letters. It's only one more letter. It just feels like yeah. Ned, Ned is just, you know, <laughs> Ned's just so simple and plain and uh, easy to remember. I, I will say he reminds me, and I don't know, what do you think about this? He reminds me of a more complete version of Craig Smith. He's six two, two fifteen he likes to play a little bit more in the dirty areas than Craig Smith did. Craig Smith was probably a little faster, but Ned is pretty fast too. Um I to me that's what he reminds me of. Like he he I think you're getting a Craig's a little bit more physical, a little bit more forechecking John ish type of Craig Smith guy with this player at his size and his skill set. Is that Yeah, I can. How do you feel about that?
1: I mean, he scored 20 goals five times. He's, he's, I think his career average is he's a 20 to 25 goal scorer and probably a 40 to 45 point player. And on the second line, you'd probably like those numbers to be a little bit higher, but you'll take what you can get. And I think what he, what you're not getting from him offensively, he's going to make up for in the physical style of play. He's going to lay the shoulder and he's going to hit some people. He's going to get in front of the net and he's going to piss some defensemen off. He's going to screen the goalie. He's going to get under everyone's skin. So I guess I hate the term poor man's version, but he's a poor man's Matthew Kachuk. I mean, they missed out on him, but they do have Nita Ryder who can kind of fill that role, who can who can go in there and get in the and I love that in his introductory press conference. He said that he used the term greasy goals because that's something this franchise talks about a lot is they don't have anyone that can score those. Yep. And he even he even said before anyone else had a chance to point out, he's like, that's what I do. He even said, I, I love going to the net. And I he like I think I forgot who was asked him a question about why Nashville. And he said, I love the physical style of game that they play in the last two years playing them as much as did with the Hurricanes. He got to see that firsthand. So I think that really kind of helped. I don't want to say if you know John Hines wasn't the coach they wouldn't have signed him, but I think having John Hines as the head coach and knowing that that's the kind of style of, of game that they're going to play, and I don't I don't think Nino Niederreiter wanted to go anywhere else that wasn't going to be a physical kind of fast pace uh, offense that the Predators run. So I think it was it was good to go out and get him. And one thing that I love about him is. He adds the offense, but he's not like he's not a 30 goal scorer, but he's going to give you offense. He ranked third on the Hurricanes last year in goals and he was fourth in hits. He had five game winning goals too. I think that tied for second or third on the team. He's also he's really good at drawing penalties. I think he had he drew 18 last year. And, you know, comparing that with the rest of the predators, Tanner Jano and Alex Carey had about 25 apiece. Ryan Johansson, 24, Luke Cunning, 22. So he would have been right up there with the leaders on the Preds. Yeah. And that's something that's very feel like underrated is going out because if you're drawing a penalty your team's going on the power play and we saw last year they had the best power play in the history of of the team so if they can do if he can add that to them again say he goes out and gets you 20 goals you'd like that to be around 25 but if he gets you 20 goals but you score five or six power play goals because he was able to draw a penalty i think it kind of washes out
0: so i also think the contract at two years because we know david poyle was all concerned about the future of the salary cap and everything and yeah. To get a two-year deal from a player that can score twenty and and put hundred hits together, and play on your top six for eight million bucks total for AAV, package that, and then we can get into this with like McDonough and and then Forsberg because again, Kachuk's contract is greater than Philip Forsberg's contract. So let's just, <laughs> in terms of number of of of, uh, of AAV, by a few million bucks, or yeah. I guess I, I guess like about a million a year extra, um,
1: eight million eight million total.
0: Yeah, I just, I just, to me, I don't know if they could have done anything better than this. Like, I don't know if yeah. you can do better. I mean, he's twenty nine; he's not twenty seven. But again, it's a two year deal; it's not a lot of risk. You know what this player is all about because you played against him like, <laughs> like fifteen times two years ago. He's been around the league. This is a professional, and he brings something. You need a winger on the second line, and while he might not give you Stanley Cup caliber second line scoring. He is clearly better than, better than anything they, they have, and he wasn't all that expensive. So, again, I, I, I know I'm the guy who said I think it's time for David Pohl to slide over, but she got the Forsberg deal done. He goes and gets McDonough, who is a proven commodity and makes your defense better, and now you go get Niederreiter who's going to come in and play the thing that you need, the, the second-line scoring. I don't know. It's hard to look at where this Predators organization was. I don't know where they are in the standings. We'll get to where you think they are from a power ranking standpoint in the, in the division in the conference, but it is hard for me to see David Poyle or anyone else having done a better job with those three moves so far in the off season.
1: I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you look at it the only thing that really would have put him over the top would have been if he somehow could have found a way to to get Matthew Kachuk. And we'll talk about that in a little bit and why that didn't work out, but the, the money doesn't.
0: Up. The money doesn't work, right? I mean, that's
1: they. They could have made it work, but it would have probably cost them one of Johansson, Granlin, or Duchesne to make the money work. And I mean, David Boyle said, you know, we tried to get him. We weren't on the list of teams. I, from what I understand, Kachuk had three teams he really wanted to go to: St. Louis, Vegas, and Florida. And if you're not one of those three teams, like there's nothing David Boyle really could have done, right? Because if the player doesn't want to go there, he's not going to go there. So, but I think the the moves that he made. And I'm in agreement with you. I think it could be time for David Poyle to move over and let someone else kind of take the reins. But I think you can also feel that way and also still applaud him for the job he's done. David Poyle's yep. not, he's not the Arizona Coyotes GM. Okay. I don't know who, what his name is, but <laughs> obviously he's not good if he's picking first or second in the draft and he's taking on all these bad contracts. Like he's trying to, to rebuild and all that. David Poyle's not that bad. I think fans got spoiled by the Stanley cup final run and anything less than a Stanley cup final yep. appearance for them is failure so basically, David Poyle is just a victim of his own success. But I do think the moves he made were really good. And I love the contract because Nino Niederreiter said in his in his uh, Interdark press conference, he's like, yeah, I would have wanted a little bit more. But I think with the flat cap signing two years here, I'm hopeful that if things go well, I could re-sign here again. So that that shows that he's not just here to, to fill two years of his career and then move on to the next one. He sees himself potentially being here more than two years. I also so- love that that he played last year, what 5.25 million a year. And he, he took, you know, a million and a a quarter pay cut to come here. I I think getting a top six forward for $4 million Uh, a year is something that's not being talked about as much as it should be for David Poyle going out and doing that because that's, that's rare to get a top six. You're paying, you're paying him a third or a fourth line winger salary to play in your top six.
0: Yeah. I, the contract to me was the, the, the thing that caught my eye. Like first I was like, Oh, good signing. Nice piece. We've talked about him. We know him, we know what he does we know how he fits in. We think he meshes perfectly with the system. Uh, wait a second, you, two, two years. So not a lot of term, 8 million, not a lot of AAV. Like I just, I thought I was a, an excellent job. Now again, like here's a couple of things, as I said, 29 years old. So that'd be age. You'd have him up to about 31. Um, he played with Ryan Johansson, I believe in the WHL, uh, way back in the day. So he's got some familiarity with with johansson and then the yossi thing and you wrote about this on the post go check it out nashvillepost.com um that that it wasn't just the style of play that lured him to nashville and of course all the things that that brought ryan mcdonough here right nashville as a city and all the things that we know that is a selling point in all of this that they all are buying into the the trajectory but that roman yossi was the final the guy who closed the deal
1: like what is their what is out there that Roman Yossi can't do? The guy is <laughs> unbelievably good looking. He's really good at hockey. He's won a Norris trophy. Uh, add, add hockey agent to his resume. Now. I mean, and it was funny because, in, in that story on, I believe it was Blick Swiss German uh, newspaper. Um, Nino Niederreiter said, I went to bed the night before thinking I was going to wake up and sign with the Anaheim ducks. And then about 1230, um, whatever that is over in Switzerland, he gets <laughs> a text from Roman Yossi in the middle of the night and says, Hey, what's your bottom dollar salary to come to Nashville? And then I'm assuming Nino Niederreiter told him he brought it to, to, I guess, David Poyle and was like, Hey, he'll take 4 million. David Poyle probably jumped out of his seat and was like four million. Okay. Let's get the contract going. Right. Right. He was offered that morning. Like it's crazy how that happened. And, and that wouldn't have happened if, if Nino Niederreiter and Roman Yossi weren't such good friends off the ice. And you look at them,
0: they they play. They're both Swiss, so they play on the same Swiss team that has yeah, had, that Swiss, has had some success in the past.
1: Yeah, they played for the Swiss national team at the under eighteen world championship, the World Junior Championship, World Cup of Hockey. They won silver twice at the IIHF World Championship. Like, there's a lot of history there, and and bringing bringing it's always a good thing to play with your friends, right? I mean, we we've seen it in the NBA. Like three friends get go together and start a dynasty and win world championships and stuff. I'm not saying it's going to happen. As long here, as it's
0: but, not Brook, as long as it's not Brooklyn, yeah. <laughs>
1: That's not going to happen here uh, by any means, but it's it's always nice to have that kind of inside edge. Like the Anaheim ducks probably wish they would have had someone that was really good friends with Nino Dieter They could have kept them going from going to Nashville. But I, I do think that it's really good that he has a familiarity with not only Romaniosi, not only Ryan Johansson, but Mikhail Granlin. And I and I think that's that's something that you can look at because in in my opinion, I I think the best top line you can put out there is Philip Forsberg, Ryan Johansson, and Matthew Shane. J- Granlund subbing in for johansson's not not a bad consolation but i think those three together is your best bet that leaves nino niederreiter and Mikhail Granlin to play together in the second line and i have a bunch of stats here that back up why that is i don't have you know Ooh. Nino you know and johansson's i don't have stats from when they were playing together in the junior leagues or anything
0: but why not michael
1: because there's just not good AHL, and <laughs> or whatever, all those, all the lower leagues, they just don't really keep good stats.
0: I, I, so let me, um, I, you're about to make a great point here. And so I want to, I, I do think the reason you play Johansson down is to spread out the talent, make the top two lines a little bit more balanced. I think that's the argument there. But I do also agree with you that that top line is what you're talking about is by far their best collection of talent to be on the top yeah. line. I, I think you're asking a lot of, Ned and, and Grandland to bring sort of Tomasino along as
1: the other piece on that. So give well, g- g- me, give me some numbers and convince me. Okay. Well, here's the issue with the Predators face to your point. The best, the best combination of your three best forwards is Johansson Forsberg and Duchesne Grandland probably plays a little bit better with them because they just have better chemistry Forsberg and Duchesne absolutely need to play together because out of anyone on the roster, out of any of the forwards, those two play together the best they give you your best chance of, of goal scoring. So it's I, I can see playing Granlin with Forsberg and, and Duchesne and leaving Johansson to play with Niederreiter, and they might have success too. But based on the numbers I found, I was looking at all this stuff, and I was like, why would you not play these two together? So Niederreiter and Granlin played in Minnesota from 2013 to, 20, to the 2018-19 season. So they played together on a line. This is all courtesy of Natural Stat Trick. They played together on a line in 353 games for almost – 1168 minutes they had 737 shots for compared to 377 shots against 94 goals for to just 37 goals against 679 scoring chances generated to 298 scoring chances allowed they had 307 high danger chances for they had a 910 save on ice save percentage when those two were on a line and they started in the offensive zone 70.1 percent of the time so that shows me they drive offense they're very gritty They don't give up a lot of goals. They don't give up a lot of scoring chances and they're hard to play against because they're, I mean, you're looking at more than double shots for for shots against you're looking at more than double goals for and goals against. And they had what almost 700 scoring chances for with, I don't know who their their, third lineman was on their line when they were in Minnesota, but those two together, they are a high offensive driving line. And I I just think playing them together, it almost just makes too much sense. Why would you not do it? But then you, to your point, Playing Gramlin on the top line probably makes a little bit more sense, and you spread Johansson out to the second line, and that kind of evens things out a little bit with the, with the depth scoring.
0: Well, and and Johansson has played with him. Whether it was a lower level and a super young age doesn't matter. They they have yeah. some experience together. So, I listen. You make a hell of a case there, dude. <laughs> like That's, I get, I, I get it. <laughs> the key the key is
1: they they have options now. That is the key. And, and that's they, ultimately the best thing John Hines could have asked for going into the season. Cause last year he didn't have options. And you're sitting there wondering like, why is Ryan Johansson on the first line with Luke Cunning and Nick Cousins, the
0: the Cunning thing. Like I, I am not going to lie. I'm, I'm a little not, not amazed, but like definitely shocked that the Cunning thing played out the way it did. Like he was a young pedigree player that they acquired and, and believed in. And, you know, <laughs> it, it's funny. You ask like, I don't know who else, who was playing on that line with Gramlin and and Nino in Minnesota, but I want to be like it was either a future or past Predator. I, I don't know who it was, but it Probably was either a good
1: chance. Yeah.
0: It was either somebody that was gonna play for the Preds or used to play for the Preds because that's all it is in Nashville. It's just Minnesota Wild players and vice versa uh, across the board. Um, okay, so I think. We have to give pretty high marks to David Poyle for what he's accomplished with all of these signings. I want to get your thoughts on where this team is ranked in the Central Division, where they are ranked in the Western Conference, and where they rank in the NHL overall, based on where they finished the season and now with the decisions they've made. we still got some other stuff with some arbitration, Pecorino, and the draft to come up as well. But before we do any of that, reminder that the Gold Standard is brought to you by the wonderful and amazing folks over at? Jaspers. Four for four. You're like a John Hines power play. Yes. You're, you're excellent, my man. Um, Jaspers, the next evolution of the sports bar over on West End. The parking is free. The menu is spectacular. The happy hours are great. They've got an air hockey table that I'm assuming, Michael, you do not put your drinks on
1: no, when, you, when
0: you play air hockey, because that seems wrong, despite what some people on this network might have you believe. <laughs> um, looking at you, Calf. Um, the game room is free. It's, it's fun, man. It's a great place to go. I, I don't really, I shouldn't have to tell you all this stuff. You've probably heard it a million times. But if you're gonna watch a game, go to Jasper's. You can park for free. You can play games for free. You can watch the game, and you can drink a Gold Standard cocktail. Michael,
1: I have I have yet to go to Jasper's just because it's been crazy with Preds, Titans, and Vanity football starting up and excuses piling up. But these are excuses. Jasper's is on my list of things to do, and I'll tell you what I have a really low bar for <laughs> sports bars because I I went to, I for those of you who don't know I went I lived in Kentucky and did my undergrad at Murray State Sorry. and we had. A, very yes i will accept the condolences we had a very (laughs) limited amount of sports bars there and one of them was nick's it was just like a local chain we had a buffalo wild wings but it was like an hour and a half stop
0: stop mentioning other companies during the jaspers ad jaspers go to jaspers
1: (laughs) anyway so going to the the local sports bar i remember back this was like the height of like the predators being good like 2012 2013 we always had to ask them to put the predators on tv and then we had to explain to them, be like, hey, can we get the Preds game on? And they'd be like, what, what's the Preds? And we had to explain to them what hockey was and, and, and all this stuff. And it was always <laughs> basketball. So I don't think you have that problem with Jaspers. I think you go there and they no. probably have the Predators on no matter what.
0: I, I will say, and it's kind of the whole point of what Floortop Hospital- Hospitality, easy for me to say, did with Jaspers is they looked at all the people like you who are going, people's expectations for good quality food at a sports bar is very low. And Jaspers was like, let's get a killer chef to do a killer menu with a name that people trust in the city that's locally owned. And we're going to have a good time and business is a booming. So go, go to Jasper's. You will not walk out of there and, and feel like you ate a brick of like terrible bar food. It is genuinely good sit down meals. If you want it to be, it could also be a fun game room where you have a beer during happy hour and watch a game. It's, it's literally, it's fantastic. We've been partnered with them for over a year, Uh, Can't wait to start our third season together with them and uh, just really excited. Go to Jasper's everybody. Check them out. Okay. Michael. Yes. Let's do the uh, cheesy sports talk thing here where we rank something. The, the defending Stanley cup champions. um, I assume are still the best team in the division and one of the best teams in the Western conference, but let's stay in the division for now. You've got three of these teams with new coaches. Uh, In the division with with Chicago, Winnipeg and Dallas, we know Chicago and Arizona are in the midst of essentially complete sell offs or coming out of the sell off, let's say the battle for Connor Bedard. Yeah, Dallas is old and has been old for a while. I where I mean, St. Louis and Minnesota are dangerous, but they've had some changes too. where do you put Nashville if you were doing your power ranking predicted order of finish, you know, the last week of July for the central division.
1: So, and obviously, and I, and I hate when I listen to sports talk radio and they talk about the predators and they're like, well, they've improved, but they're not on Colorado's level. Like no one's on Colorado's level. You shouldn't have to like temper that. Like that's, it's understood. I think it goes Colorado and then the rest of the central division. So right now I would put them third because I think they've improved enough that they could probably overtake Minnesota but I don't think that they're better than St. Louis. They could probably play in a playoff series and make it interesting. Heck, if UC Saros is healthy, they may even squeak out a series win. But I would say probably Colorado, St. Louis, and then Nashville, Minnesota, Dallas, Winnipeg, and and so on and so forth.
0: So the sports radio thing is to argue at each other that there's no way Nashville could be number three. They're number two. St. Louis is definitely number three. Colorado's clearly number one, blah, 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 blah. Here's why you listen to this show. I have no clue if they're better than St. Louis. I have no clue if they're significantly better than Minnesota, but here's what I think I know about the team, considering the offseason. I think they can challenge for, to be the second place team in the division. I think that is their upside now.
1: And I think that's a fair it. assumption, too, given the fact that they arguably have the best goalie in the Central Division. Connor Hellebuck might, may have a little bit of a say there, but you see Saros, you throw him out there. And they there were so many people, you know, a couple months ago saying, hey, if Saros was healthy, they probably could have taken a game or two from Colorado. If you have that kind of a game-changing goalie, you have a shot against anyone. So I would, I would say just for the goalie alone, Nashville could be anywhere yes. from two to
0: three or four. So, like... Are like let's do this in a thoughtful and nuanced way. Are they better than that the, what they were last year? Yes.
1: Oh they miles, are be- miles better.
0: They are better. So we have to eliminate like four and five out of the equation because they're not a wild. We don't think they're a wild card team now. Can they be the second best team in the division? Yes, they absolutely could. Will they? Who knows? They got to play the season. But yeah. the point the point is is we can put them safely in the conversation directly with St. Louis as the number two team chasing down Colorado. And then who knows what the hell happens when they get to the playoffs. Like, that's the whole point of the, the game. But the right conversation to have about this is that they are significantly improved and that they sh- fans are right to expect a, a home ice advantage in the first round of the playoffs as the, the upside bar benchmark, whatever you want to call it, for this team in this season. And that is a very different place than I felt at this time last year.
1: Yeah, and John, and John Hines even said, or maybe it was Poyle. I don't. It might have been Poyle um, at the end of the season. He said, you know, part of this was on us. We we shouldn't have faltered down the stretch, and we we probably would have had a better shot not playing Colorado in the first round. So you you want to? I mean, you would love to overtake Colorado. That's not going to happen. You'd love to finish second or third because you like your chances more going against St. Louis or Minnesota than you would going against Colorado. And, I, and I'll I'll do you one better. I in the whole Western Conference. Looking, looking at everything with all the changes Ooh. that have happened, like yeah, Calgary—they got Jonathan Huberto back for from Matthew Chuck, and I think that was—I think Calgary won that trade. But looking at it, they still lost Johnny Gaudreau. They're still not going to be as good as they were last year. They're going to take a step back. Vegas will be competitive, but they're—they're they're a terribly mismanaged team. So I would put in the whole entire Western Conference, I would put Nashville fourth. The only teams, wow. I would put of, the only teams I'd put ahead of them are Colorado, St. Louis, and Edmonton.
0: Wow. And Edmonton. We we know Edmonton has a tendency to do Edmonton things. Yeah. Um but they also...
1: by by on paper, I would put them forth. The season yeah, yeah, can yeah, play yeah. out and they could be a dumpster fire and we could sure. be talking about how stupid we sound right now. But on paper, right now, before the season's played, I think they're the fourth best team in the Western Conference. Well, we
0: most assuredly sound, sound stupid. That is a given here on the pod. We do appreciate that. Um I, I four seems optimistic, but again, if St. Louis feels like the second best team in the conference. And we think they are competitive with St. Louis, then yeah. I mean, they right now it is Colorado, and then like a three or there's a tier down from Colorado. Yeah, and, and I think that these the, the Vegas odds are probably I think going to probably dictate this when we see the Vegas odds to win the Western Conference, which I think Colorado will be a clear, you know, you know, <laughs> my minus one eighty or something. It'll be crazy, and then it'll be the next there'll be a group of teams that are in that next tier, and I think you're right. St. Louis, Edmonton, Nashville who else?
1: I mean, I mean who Vegas else you... will probably be in there, but they're, they're Vegas and they're going to do Vegas things. And... Right.
0: Calgary has staying power.
1: Yeah. I mean, not I mean, not without
0: think, Kachuk. I don't know.
1: I think Calgary will be competitive, but I just don't think they're going to be the force they were last year. And we saw last year they had Johnny Goudreau. They had Kachuk. They had Mark Schumlich, they had all the pieces in place and they still couldn't go very far. Yeah.
0: And then Minnesota lost some pieces as well. Dallas is getting older. You know, again, San Jose, I, I think Anaheim's sneaky, interesting with how they're building.
1: But I think, I think you can throw L.A. in there with adding Kevin Fiala to that yeah. lineup, too. But I just, again, you look at it out of all the teams in the Western Conference. I mean, Nashville has, you know, a, the, UC Saros finished third in the Vezina voting last year. So they have a top three goalie in the entire league. I think that can take them very far, all things considered, depending on how the backup situation kind of plays out.
0: All right. I will ask a, a sports radio question here. Are they a Stanley Cup championship contender?
1: Right now, no. Are they on the right track? I believe so.
0: But I, I think still that's... think
1: they're probably, optimistically, I think they're probably still two to three years away from being a contender if they add the correct pieces to the core they have now. You look at it, Roman Yossi's not getting any younger. Neither is Matt Shane, Ryan Johansson. Philip Forsberg's probably still got five or six years left in his prime. But other than that, like, Ekholm's 31. You're yeah. looking at this core, you have... McD-
0: McDonough now, yeah.
1: Yeah, you have probably, I would say... three. Putting it optimistically, three years left of all of them playing high level hockey at the same time.
0: Yep, and that's when McDonough, Johansson, Nino, Ned will all come off the books, and they've got to yeah. have to replace all those guys. Um, all right, so what's the next order of operation for for David Poyle? I think Yakov Trenin is probably the top priority. Um, there's a chance, I think his arbitration hearing is early next week. There's a chance he gets there, which does not happen very often for Nashville predators. Yeah. August
1: um, 2nd, I believe it is
0: only five or I think it's five times ever. A player has gotten arbitration only three times. It's ever been like forced upon the team. And um,
1: just, just ask Rocco Grimaldi going to arbitration is not something you want yeah. because he heard some hurtful things about himself. <laughs> from the team that is trying to sign him, and that that almost kind of severed the relationship. So. Well, and
0: I think you have to understand that that's the nature of that situation, and that like you're going to hear only negative stuff because that's why they're negotiating. But here's what Can I would you say:
1: David Poyle sitting in the room across from Yakov Trenin and trying to sit there and make a case of why they should pay him less. Like, I don't. Know, I don't know how many people out there have ever seen Yakov Trenin in a press conference. He doesn't talk. He sits there. He looks like he's thinking of ways to actively separate your limbs from your body. He's a nice (laughs) guy, but he just gives off that presence of don't mess with
0: me. It's 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 Russian, let's be honest. Um it 1.3 to 1.8-ish. Um, I like a very nice and tidy 1.5 AAV, and I would give him multiple years. I I would give him term and I would sign him, get get that Forsberg type of deal. I'm not talking six million here, but I mean the, the Colton Sissons, Cali Yarncrook deal where you get him for more years, underpay him a little bit because I think he's going to over deliver, especially on a million and a half. Like to me, this is a guy you pay for, lock him in and then pencil him in next to Sissons and Janot and say, go to town, boys. You're going to start every single period. You're going to start every single tough, tough defensive zone face off. And you're out there to stir some shit up. Go, go do your job. And I, yeah. to me, I, I overpay Trent here. I, I would do it and give him some, I, get some years out of it.
1: I think if you can give him the Cali Earncroke special, you do it. Because if you can sign him up for around two million, I think 1.85 is probably more realistic because he's gonna he's gonna want a little bit more. He's probably gonna ask for somewhere around two, maybe a little over two. David Poyle's probably at a million and a half. I, I think around 1.8 is probably reasonable. And if you could lock him up for I'd say anywhere from four to six years, you go ahead and do it. They also might do a, a bridge deal where he he gets Maybe a little bit less than what he wants, because there might be more money to, to play around with next year, depending on who they move out and stuff like that. But they also have to worry about Tanner Janot, Dante Fabro, a couple other guys, Alex Carrier paying them. So it might be in David Poyle's best interest to lock Jakob Trinit up now for, I don't know, four or five years at $2 million and get that done. So that's one less thing he has to worry about next season.
0: Yeah. To me, this is not a guy you, 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 first of all, you don't mess around with him in a, in a back alley and you don't mess around with him on your roster because you need him as a piece like that line.
1: He literally has a degree in boxing. You don't want to mess with that. (laughs) That
0: that line is needs to like, that is such a, an asset for this team with the cost of how much like how much they're paying those three guys to play in that role, to play as many important shifts and important that like, they just are so critical. Don't mess with them. Give him the two million if that's what it is. Maybe I was underselling at one five. Like, give him the two million for four years. Take your term if you're Poyle. Get him signed for a longer deal, and and, and let's let let's move along here. And I mean and that run.
1: line. You could argue was the turnaround point for this franchise where they were yeah. a couple of years ago when they were struggling to find anything. You put that line together, then everything turned around and they went on that what twenty seven and one run yep. in the fifty six game season. Like that that line is critically important to this team's success. Yep.
0: No question about it. All right. Couple of quick notes here to wrap up. So we'll get to the NHL draft in just a second, but first, uh, I think you wrote a little bit about this, Michael, uh, Pekka uh, Here's, here's the only thing I saw in the headlines. <laughs> Pekka begins his path back to Nashville to coach for the Nashville Predators with the U 20 Finnish national team. That's what I saw. That's the only headline I, I read. That's the, those are the words that went into my brain, Michael.
1: Yeah. I mean, it kind of feels like this was going to happen eventually. Probably thinking a couple of years down the road. I mean, he just had a newborn son not that long ago. I'm not sure if he's married yet, or he might have recently gotten married. You kind of figured this was going to happen, but he's he was recently named the goaltender coach for the under-20 Finnish national team. Um, I, from my understanding, it's hard to find details because it was we were translating from Finnish to to English. I, from my understanding, I think it's just a one-year deal. It's it's from now until whenever the 22-23 World Junior Championship is. Um, so if, if that's all it is, I mean, you could possibly looking at next year. I don't want to, you know, throw garbage out there, but you could possibly look at next year at joining the Predators in some capacity in the front office or or as a coach somewhere.
0: All right, let me ask you a couple questions. Would you ask David Poyle to move over if Pecarina could be general manager? Oh gosh.
1: Being realistic, no, because Pecorino <laughs> probably isn't very qualified to be a general manager right now. Of course
0: he's not. It was a joke question. What are you talking about?
1: But of course he's not a GM. I will say, with how bad David Poyle has been in the last couple of <laughs> years, could Pecorino, honestly could he possibly do worse?
0: Would you fire John Hines to hire Pecorino as the head coach right now today? Would you do it?
1: No. If Would, you want to feel like a competitive team, no.
0: <laughs> should should he take over Sean Henry's job?
1: Right now, no. Down the line,
0: maybe. <laughs> he is so good with the media; he could spin it like Sean. I bet. I bet you that's he, actually he really knowledge.
1: could. I think that's one of the things. And we, <laughs> UC Soros doesn't really speak a lot to the media, and I, I don't. I think he's just a very timid player. Yaroslav Askarov is kind of learning how to speak English. Like Pecorini, I think that was one thing about him that was really look, overlooked or whatever is, is how good he was with the media, how good he was at answering questions and facing the music, if you will. So I think I think wherever he goes, whatever front office position he ends up in, whoever hires him, probably the Predators, like it's just going to be a great signing all around.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I kid about all these questions, but the reality is, could he be a tremendous asset as a goaltending coach of the future? Because they have one of the best in the NHL right now. But, you know, who knows what the future holds? I think he's an extraordinary valu- valuable asset as a community sort of liaison for the for the club. Yeah. I mean, and to your point, there's not, and and we've said it on this podcast for a year and a half now. I've said it my entire career. I'm not sure I have covered a more thoughtful and, and um, nuanced speaking professional athlete in my entire career, full stop. I'm not sure there's been a better person to talk to about what's going on in the with the team and the sport and the game and life and the city, than Pecorine. So I, I joke a little bit about all this stuff, but honestly, I, I saw think, the head. I saw the headline. I was like, "Dude's coming back to town, man."
1: I think it's kind of the writing's on the wall. He will. He will be back here at some point. And I think Gover has told this story hundreds of times. And this just kind of tells you everything you need to know about Peccarini as a person. He and, and one of the other local reporters traveled for a road game, and they the Predators lost. It was like four to one. It was a really bad loss, and they were all waiting to do post game. And I guess they, I guess the, whoever the media people were, weren't going to be allowed to do it. And Pekka went to, I believe it was Kevin Wilson and said, no, the reporters came out here. They took their time to travel out here, go get them. And I will answer questions for them. Yeah. And he gave them access, even though he probably didn't want to talk about a bad loss, but he still did it anyway, out of respect for the fact that they spent time and resources to travel out there with the team, which I think this is everything you need to know about him as a person.
0: Uh, yep. It's everything you need to know about a lot of things there. Um, excellent job by uh, Pecca rene again, I I just it's all it's all there, man. It's all there. Uh, all right, last one here. We'll wrap up, and this is uh, you know everybody's sort of touching on this and reporting on the different sides of this. Um, but it feels like that I think Washinski was the first one for ESPN that reported this, but Nate Rouse done some digging on this as well with Axios. I actually, I think
1: Frank Saravalli was the first to report okay. after the end of the draft. Good. Thank you for
0: uh, making sure that I <laughs> cite the correct places. That is a, that is something we like to do here on the show. Uh, but the point is, is that we are Nashville. We um, the collective, we here are the potential front runner for the 2023 NHL draft next year. Uh, it's a lot of people point to the draft previously in the all-star game previously as sort of the kickoff to when hockey became a thing in Nashville. The Stanley cup of obviously was a part of that, the run, and and then the Smashville thing came from all of this and they point to the draft and everybody knows how well we host events. We didn't get the, the world cup in 2026. So I, I think uh, Butch and, and, <laughs> and company are out there working real hard to bring the draft here. And it does sound like that we are a potential front runner for the draft here next summer. So that's fun.
1: Yeah. And I've, I've got an email out to Butch, hoping to, to get on record with him and kind of any juicy details he can give me about potentially Nashville hosting the draft next year. But and you look at the last time they they hosted the draft. I think it was two thousand three. Nashville then isn't what Nashville is now. I think you can. I mean, you look at I don't know what the exact number was, but how many people crowded downtown for the Titans uniform release party? I mean, if you if they if they host the draft here now, I'm not saying it's going to reach NFL draft numbers because it's the NHL. Sure. But I think you can you can take the NFL draft success and scale it down to what it would be for the NHL. I think that the 2016 all-star game was a good representation of what you could expect for the draft.
0: Yeah. Like instead of having the NFL thing, take over all of first Avenue and Broadway and the entire thing, you could absolutely take over all of fifth Avenue, which is attached to Bridgestone and like the hall of fame park right there, which is behind the Hilton. And you could, you could turn that all into a fan zone. And again, to your, to your point, scale down from the draft, but still basically the same vibe, right? A hockey fan celebrating the game with like, you know, kind of the punt pass and kick version of, of hockey. Um, yeah. of, co- of course, right in the middle of Tennessee summer, but whatever.
1: <laughs> I mean, you, you throw up the big screen at a Sunday amphitheater and host a watch party there. I mean, you're, Ooh, you're talking about the economic impact this could have yeah. uh, for the city is just astronomical.
0: Well, there you have it. So good economic impact, great contracts for a new top six forward. We got, a potential team that could challenge for second place in the division is now a, a legitimate contender in the Western Conference because of the work that David Poyle's has done. And future Nashville Predators CEO, General Manager, and Head Coach Renee is on his way back to town. That's what I heard today on the show. Um, yes. Make sure, make sure you, make sure you go to Jasper's, of course. Um, great, great free parking, great menu, great game room, great place to watch a game, great place for a business lunch. You want to take the the spouse, the significant other, go on a date, go with your boys, doesn't matter. It's a great place to do all that. Uh, So go check it out, Jaspers. Michael Gallagher, where can people find you, my
1: friend? You can find me on Twitter at MGSports underscore. You can find me pretty much daily on the Nashville Post with some sort of Predator stuff and occasionally on the Nashville scene when I have more of a long-form kind of feature story.
0: There you have it. So check it out. And for those of you who made it this deep into the show, some things coming for you folks, okay? We got some things coming. Just stay tuned, turn on the notifications, follow us on the Twitters and all the social medias and the YouTubes and all that great stuff as I am now much older. Um, As an older generational person, that's how I say it. I say the YouTube. so go check that out. Uh, For Michael, I'm Braden. Thanks for hanging out with us. Share the product with everybody that you know. Uh, The Predators are back in business here and the season is not that far away. So thank you guys all for listening. Uh, This has been the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. We'll talk to you guys again next week.